the eyes to the left. Hello and welcome to Eyes to the Left, the Mirror's weekly political podcast. My name is Jason Beatty. I'm joined by Kevin Maguire and Nicola Bartlett and we are going to be discussing Prime Minister's questions, the week's political events and what's going to happen tomorrow in Brussels with a key breakfast, I said it on purpose, Brexit <laughs> summit. And you'll see why I said that later. Uh, we've just uh, been watching just a few hours ago a really fascinating Prime Minister's questions. Some people have held it as Jeremy Corbyn's best performance ever. We'll decide if that's true or not. Uh, I thought PMQs, as we call it, could have gone either way. It came off the back of some good jobless figures for government. Uh, employment uh, Unemployment is now the lowest since 1975, according to the figures, but also off the back of a U-turn, climb down, whatever you wish to call it, on the universal credit. So the stage was set. It was, as I said, it could have gone even way. Kevin, what happened? Well, I think Jeremy Corbyn had his Weetabix for breakfast <laughs> and Theresa May skipped hers. And she was utterly woeful. She was all over the place. I was watching the faces of the Conservative MPs and they were like thunder all the way through. She even slipped that one part where Corbyn asked her, are you going to pause universal credit? And she said, yes. She was going to go on to a longer answer. Everybody cheered. Tories sat there silently. And before the end, Conservative MPs were leaving. You could see big gaps on those green benches. All the Labour lot stayed, they cheered, Corbyn was very good. He could have been better, I don't think it's his best performance, I think he's done well on education and health in the past, and universal credit, but he was good, and he looked like the Prime Minister, and she looked like the leader of an opposition on the way out. And what's so fascinating is the change in the mood. It used Completely. to be that the Corbyn, when he got up to speak, was hesitant. He got jeered by the Tory benches. Now he's listened to in a respectful silence. He's uh, the one with the dignity holding the house. And May is on the back foot. And as you say, the Tory MPs looking down at their shoes, looking anywhere else, looking at their phones, kind of very baleful faces. And it's it, it's the transformation is extraordinary. Oh God, absolutely, absolutely. But, it's it, uh, well, come on to this key point you mentioned earlier about the, the stuttering answer on the universal credit. But but what was interesting, I thought as well, was Corbyn's boldness. Nicola, he went straight in and welcomed the fall in joblessness. Now that is usually before PMQs. I've watched before, but the jobs figures come out at nine thirty on Wednesday morning, once a month, and they're the gift to the Prime Minister because they've been showing consistent fall for several months. And Labour, the uh, leaders of the Labour opposition, not just Jeremy Corbyn, but Ed Millett as well, they've dodged the subject or tried to get find something else to talk about. This time, he went in, or you could almost say studs in. He's, it was fascinating. Yeah, I think the fact that he, he chose to just bite the bullet and go for it was, was really interesting. And he immediately turned it around and he said he acknowledged that, yes, the raw figures show that. But everyone knows that there are huge problems when it comes to, to wages. I mean, public sector pay workers haven't had a pay rise for seven years. Um, wages are stagnating across the board. And lots of, of people who are in work are having to claim benefits. Um, and I think that was really powerful that he kind of attacked the the truth behind these figures because you can't get away from these figures. They, you know, on the face of it, they, they are a positive... Um, uh, positive for the government but he kind of showed that, that it's all smoke and mirrors really 
And also I thought fascinating is that, that Labour's is a sign of his confidence, but also Labour's confidence in that argument. They are now willing to go after the Tories in the economy. That was always seen as kind of Labour's weakest defence, and now they're on the offensive of it. I don't know if you agree, Kevin. Oh, well, what is the long-term economic plan now? It's uh, the big EU economies, it's the lowest growth and the highest, uh, um, the highest inflation. And real wages are lower than they were a decade ago, ten years ago. And, and he sees that. And I thought... Going in and welcoming the fall in unemployment was deft and smart politics, which he didn't show in the past because he completely neutralised it for her as he went on the attack for wages. And when May said that's the first time you welcomed the fall in uh, unemployment, and I think that is true in Prime Minister's questions, he was able to come back, well, won't you answer the questions for the first time? And he just turned it round, neutralised her. And she tied herself up in knots after that, aided and abetted, of course, by him. Yeah, you got yeah. the feeling that wind had been taken of herself. She had, she had a kind of drawer full of kind of prepared one-liners, this mini stockpile to taunt Labour for not welcoming unemployment figures. And then you could see her kind of confidence kind of disappeared in front of our eyes as a result. And the first question I thought she answered reasonably well, after that it went downhill from there on. And then he moved back onto the universal credit. Nick, look, a little bit of background about where we are on the universal credit, because it dominated last week's exchanges. And, and, and what's happened? Why, why was he did this give the advantage to Corbyn? Well, uh, yes, yeah, so he had a, a very strong week last week where he stuck to that one topic on universal credit, which is, of course, um, streamlining uh, six different benefits into one. Um, and the rollout of this, which has happened gradually over different parts of the country, has been beset by problems. Um, payments are delayed. People are having to wait. Even if everything goes to plan, people are still having to wait six weeks for money, which is obviously sending people um, into to debt, into rent arrears, um, you know, the, the worst end of the scale, people are, are being made homeless as a result. Um, so he, he tackled that strongly last week and then the Labour Party managed to secure an opposition day uh, debate on the issue, which is actually going on this afternoon. Um, and David Gork was being um, David the, Gork, the uh, Work and Pension Secretary, is being was being quizzed this morning um, by the um, Select Committee um, for the Department for Work and Pensions. Um, so basically, it's a kind of um, sort of perfect storm against the government's policy today. Um, and one of the main things that came out of last week was the fact that people who need help with this um, new benefit having to uh, call a helpline which can charge them up to 55 pence a minute. As our colleague Mikey Smith did some excellent journalism research, he found there's some sex chat lines which are actually cheaper than this, just to put this into perspective. (laughs) I hope he's not been ringing them. (laughs) (laughs) Not not on company time. No, no, certainly not. Private life, actually. But it it is, you know, these people, as you say, are facing eviction. A lot of them have had to rack up debt, so they are in terrible financial straits and you know 55p a minute when you've got a waiting time of four minutes sometimes to speak to somebody is absolutely it's, insulting yeah it's huge and and actually we saw the government climb down on that issue this morning david gork revealed that that i think by the end of this month that the um helplines would be free so um corbyn wanted to celebrate the fact that he'd raised that last week and a week later the government had capitulated and it, i think it's a real sign of him kind of understanding how politics works in a way because he always didn't want to get involved in this tit for tat prime minister's questions um you know punch and duty politics and all of that he wanted to do things differently but actually he's seen a win from last week he's seen 
that if he probes the Prime Minister in the right way, he can actually change things in the real world. So I think what we're seeing as well as his growing confidence is actually his acknowledgement that, that the system can work. And in the yin and yang of politics was this crucial moment when he said, look, you've changed your mind on the 55p helpline. Now will you change, go further and pause the universal credit rollout as Citizens Advice are asking, as the Food Bank, the Trussell Trust is asking, as Sir John Major is asking, and as he points out, 25 of your own MPs are asking. And May's answer was... That's when she said, well, yes, and she was going to go into a longer answer, which was going to really be no, but yeah. that yes really just summed up where she's absolutely mm-hmm. strung. It took us back to the conference speech and the yeah. coughing and yeah. the spluttering. There was a lot and of letters stuttering erms and ahs. And... The Tory faces of their... MPs, her MPs behind her, were a picture, and they told a picture that she is in trouble. They were, they were dead faces. They knew she'd uh, stumbled again and stumbled in a bad, bad way. And however they vote in the debate, they know that universal credit is a disaster and it's unfair and it's not working. And Laura Pidcock, a Durham MP, later on new MP, later on asked her, "Is it gross incompetence or calculated cruelty?" I think it's a bit of both. It's also indifference. They they do not, in a way, get how people... Or she doesn't get... It's a, it's a blind spot. She's very good on things like um, the rights of uh, victims of domestic abuse, uh, victims of modern-day slavery. But I think when you come to financial issues and how Britain is now a low-paid country... It might have a high employment, as, uh, as Nicola said, but it is low-paid, and she just doesn't get how people suffer. And they haven't got six weeks' worth and of savings. And the most most people in Britain who are poor are in work. We're a low-wage economy. We're in work. They want to encourage people to take temporary jobs. But you're going to do that when you're going to get caught in this universal credit nightmare of in and out of the system? It's going to actually deter people from taking jobs. Yeah, and what I thought was so interesting was this actually was a minor slip, but it was a huge error. And it was kind of fascinating because it summed up, encapsulated May's problems at the moment. She's not good on her feet. She's lacking in confidence. And she's losing the support of her backbenchers. Little things sometimes tell a big story. And you could see Corbyn rising and getting bigger and enjoying the cheers and landing the blows. And you could see her shrink, getting smaller. She's kind of a pretty hunched figure anyway, and she crouches a little lower. She knows when it's not going well. She might soldier on bravely, courageously, but she knows she's taking a bit. And as you say, this blind spot, because she talked when she, you know, on the steps of Downing Street when she first became Prime Minister about the kind of burning injustices she wants to tackle. But she's quite selective in what they are. No. So, so but, but, but as you say, for some, she, she's yeah. quite good on when it comes to kind of... Kind of FGM and it comes to kind of slavery, but remember she's got a major blind spot on others, and it's yeah. well. Frank Field, the uh, Birkenhead Labour MP, chair of the Working Pensions Committee, calculates families will be fifty pounds a week worse off. That is a lot of money. She just she either doesn't get it, doesn't care. Uh, is just utterly, utterly ignorant in our own life. What's a financial crisis? It's 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 uh, uh, you know an overripe. Um, you know, aubergine coming from a you know from a home delivery. She you know, she's rather comfortable herself, but she doesn't get how other people live their lives. Yeah, she gets a cardo, she doesn't get Iceland. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, kind of uh, that wasn't the only gaffe in PMQs. We have a poor guy who's from the SNP, the Ian Blackford, who did the classic breakfast instead of Brexit. And when John McNally 
raised the issue of the Scottish Tory MP, Douglas Ross, who isn't in the House of Commons today and won't be around for the vote later on the Universal Credit because, Nicola, where's he going to be? He's busy refereeing a football match. Which one? He's going to be, sorry, unfair question. He's going to be running the line for Barcelona versus Olympiacos in Camp Nou this evening in the Champions League match. Now, he is a professional referee and he gets paid to do this. Should MPs have second jobs? And he's running the line, assistant ref. When he became an MP, he said football wouldn't get in the way. He's going to get paid, if, if past form is any guide here, an extra £1,400 or so, which he'll have to declare. This, he's going to get his £1,400 or so when he's missing a debate and a vote on universal credit, which is going to make families £50 a week worse off. I'm not an absolute purist on MPs having a total and utter 100% ban on other things, but when it interferes with your work and when you're enriching yourself and you're enjoying the limelight and all the trappings that will bring, and you're missing a vote in a debate on people being impoverished... Uh, there, come on, that's utterly, utterly appalling. You should be shown a red card for that. And it was, well, the SMP, MPA in Blackford came armed with a red card, which he waved in the Commons. And I thought May's answer was, was a classic May in the worst possible sense. She said, you should be proud to have a Tory MP representing his constituents in the Commons. And he thought, he's not here. What, what, what you know, it was going to, the classic May bot was back on form there. She just couldn't think on her feet. Yeah. It was. Uh, I, I suspect it is just indefensible. And there is, there is no answer uh, for, for once, given her the benefit of the doubt. What can you do? You, she'd have had to attack him. Because it's uh, it 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 looks it, it looks terrible because it is terrible. Yeah, and and a, and a quick mention of our crawler of the week, which was a Tory MP called Victoria Prentice, who did a groan worthy question, which he said, "Isn't it great to have a prime minister back in full voice?" And he thought the one thing the prime minister had not been today at prime minister's questions was in full voice. And I just want to mention that just so I can point out how awful it was. Um, now, the big event of the week, as it is of every week, is Brexit. Theresa May is going off to Brussels tomorrow for a major EU summit. How's it going for them this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there was a bit of a panic stations, it seems, at the beginning of the week um, when following um, the latest update from Michel Barnier and um, David Davis. Um, the result was that actually there was no, well, very little progress to report on um, and that that the negotiations couldn't move on to the next stage, which is when we sort of talk about um, our future relationship going forward. And it seems that what what is holding up proceedings, perhaps unsurprisingly, is, is the money, is the divorce bill that the UK will have to pay. Um, so Mrs May in, insisted that it was always uh, always her plan, but, but seemed to not have told anyone about this, uh, went off for dinner uh, over in Brussels with uh, Jean-Paul Juncker, David Davis and Michel Barnier, and they had, I think it was just 90 minutes that they spent uh, having dinner. Um, and I've had longer meals at McDonald's than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's about the length of time the Tory MP would have been running up and down the uh, you know, the touchline uh, to get his £1,400 in Spain. Exactly. And it, I mean, they looked quite cosy when they were saying goodbye. There were lots of um, hugs and kisses. But um, 
I, I mean, it's still the quite a euphemistic. Yes, things are going well, and, and we might. Tomorrow she needs to be the what we call the EU twenty seven, the leaders of the other yeah. twenty seven countries which are staying in Europe. And we gather from Downing Street she's going to be explaining British policy on Brexit to them. I think that's quite a challenge because well, I have no idea what the government's policy is at the moment. Well, if you ask David Davis, it's one thing. If you ask the Home Secretary Amber Rudd, it's something else. Uh, Boris Johnson will get another answer. Uh, Philip uh, Hammond, the Chancellor, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it is. It's an utterly crazy position given they triggered Article 50 back in March and they still don't really know their negotiating position. If you don't know what you're asking for, you're never going to get it. They seem to have this really strange attitude to negotiations which suggests that if you show the other side your cards, then then you're not going to get what you want. But it's not that kind of negotiation. I mean, we had yesterday... um, Antonio uh, Tajani, the um, the head of the European Parliament, um, he was on Newsnight and he was saying, we don't know what the UK wants, so how on earth can we negotiate? We're 27, but we've got one position, and the Conservative government have many positions, so what are we supposed to do, really? And I think there is this kind of frustration over on the continent about not knowing what, what it is that the, the Tories want. I've got I've got to had a couple of emails. I asked requests for for listeners uh, to to send questions. Uh, um, there's there's one for, from a, a reader, a listener called Chantel, who says all we do is capital letters give give give. Um, we get nothing back in return. Is is that a fair assessment of how our, we should see our relationship with Europe? Well, we agreed to the process that we would settle the questions of Ireland, uh, the divorce payment, and what happens to EU citizens from the 27 here and presumably UK citizens over there after Brexit. We agreed to that process. That's why we're in that period before we move on to future relationships. Whether it was right to to uh, agree, you can take that up with the, uh, the Conservative government, but they did. Uh, perhaps they had no no alternative. And we're the ones leaving home here. We're the ones who are um, tipping up the apple cart. What do you expect? If we're leaving a club, do you think they're going to be nice to us? And you're going to have all the benefits of the club without paying any of the costs. It ain't, life ain't like that. That was the best description I saw, was that cartoon of Theresa May kind of ringing up, saying to Sky, I'm going to cancel my subscription, but I'd like to keep receiving every single programme, please. Yeah, well, she, re- she reminds me of the she- uh, sheriff in Blazing Saddles who holds a gun to his head and says, if anybody moves, I'll pull the trigger. What? <laughs> Shoot yourself. I mean, that's what we're doing. Yeah, um, I've also got another email from, from somebody called Barry. I'm not going to give his full name, because you, you'll see why. When I read it out, he says, I cannot remember a time when I felt more embarrassed I remember wetting myself on the school steps when I was very, very young. Yeah, but, um, but I've nothing compared to the feelings of embarrassment my government is making over Brexit. Are we being a national embarrassment now? Well, I think I think we are. There's no pride in this. The other 27 countries are pretty united. We haven't even got a united cabinet that's supposed to be negotiating for us. Theresa May is a joke on the world stage. We're being laughed at. The OECD report that came out saying... We go, well, we're going to be in trouble. If we decided to stay now through a second referendum, we'd get an economic boost. This is not what was promised by the Brexit elite in the referendum. You can feel slowly but surely public opinion is turning because people realise as a resolution foundation, quite a respected think tank, pointed out low-paid people will pay the cost for this. I've no doubt Boris Johnson, Liam Fox and so on, I'd be happily laying down other people's jobs for their ideological obsession of, of Brexit. But it is dawning that whatever you think of the EU, you don't have to love it, 
it is actually a lot easier and better for prosperity and security, jobs and livelihoods to be in than out. Yeah, I spoke to a lot of MPs yesterday and I asked them the same question. Do you think public opinion is shifting on this? Nicola, have you picked up any sign that the, the views becoming less entrenched or not? I think it's really difficult because I think we're in danger of that, that kind of Westminster bubble cliche in a bit. I think some people who still, who've always wanted Brexit would still want Brexit and have this idea that, that things will be difficult for a while but then things will be better. I think it's from the research that I've read it's, it's the people who are a bit softer who are starting to, to, to sort of have second thoughts about this now and, and maybe you know those are the ones who would put pressure on the government because they're you know, the, the ones that want it at whatever cost think on the whole might be slightly older as well so how much of that whatever cost they'll actually have to uh, live through is questionable. But, but if we've seen a big shift in politics at the general election against May and the Tories to Corbyn and Labour the rise of younger people getting engaged and voting if we saw all that and issues coming to the fore mattering more such as university institutions why can't people change their views on Brexit? And it was David Davis doing the negotiations five years ago. He said, in a democracy, you can change your mind or you're not a democracy. Mm. You can feel it. I was in Sunderland at the weekend and I was in a, a pub come social club. Sunderland. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I, uh, I can't pretend I spoke to everybody. I was there for the football. But you speak to a lot of people in the bar. And one guy did say, I never thought it was going to be this hard to leave. And you can, you can feel it. It's reality dawning. YouGov claim opinion has shifted mm. against leaving, but maybe it could shift back in a bit. There will be some resentment over the feeling, as I think Chantel's question, uh, you know, give, 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 that feeling. Some people rebel against that, and why do we give, the, give all this, this money? Well, it's because we have legal obligations, and also if you want a trade deal down the line... You're not going to get it by just sticking up two fingers and leaving the house. And you know, if you if you quit a house, you whether you're married or living with people, you normally have to pay up when you go. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, what has been your highlight of your political week, Kevin and Nicola? Oh, I would I would go for PMQs because I just, I just I thought it was a power switch from from Mayor to to Corbyn, and beyond that from Tory MPs to Labour MPs and you could feel you could feel Labour and the argument's just swinging their way and they're making them better it's not to write the Tories off but it is shifting um, I think it's been interesting just stepping into US politics briefly it's been interesting to, to hear Hillary Clinton come over here and, and talk about um, why she lost uh, I don't think she's quite entertained the possibility that she might have more to do with it than she's letting on but I think um, the discussions around uh, Donald Trump and and the Russian influence and so on have been quite interesting to hear. Did she have travel insurance when she uh, got that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazon trip? Praising the NHS, yeah. though. Oh, she's paid. Yeah. 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 The, the, the National Health Insurance they don't have in the United <laughs> States. No, no, it's, it's just fantastic. Good. I still hope uh, she uh, paid. My highlight of the week was Chris Grayling's interview on the Mar show when he, he said it'd be perfectly okay and we'd crash out without a deal because people would just grow more of their own vegetables. I, I, on, on the scale of kind of, you know, kind of fantasy politics, I think he wins. Failing grilling, and then the following day he gets on a new train, <laughs> Great Western servers, Bristol, London, what... It's sort of nearly 40 minutes late with leaking air conditioning. Yeah. Seats have to be almost like a crime scene, you know, taped off. People's laptops ruined. 
it's almost everything he touches but turns to if dust. He, if he wanted a metaphor for where the government's going, <laughs> it was on that great Western journey <laughs> there yesterday. Thank you very much for listening. This was Eyes to the Left. You can uh, download and subscribe to the podcast and leave comments and ideas for future discussions at, I'm going to try and get this right now, www.mirror.co.uk forward slash eyes. That's A-Y-E-S. My name is Jason Beatty. You can follow me on Twitter at jbtmirror. Kevin is at... Kevin underscore Maguire. And Nicola is... Nicola R. Bartlett. Thanks very much for listening.